I hope that in the future they invent a small golden light that follows you everywhere and when something is about to end, it shines brightly so you know it's about to end. And if you're never going to see someone again, it'll shine brightly and both of you can be polite and say, it was nice to have you in my life while I did. Good luck with everything that happens after now. And maybe if you're never going to eat at the same restaurant again, it'll shine and you can order everything off the menu you've never tried. Maybe if someone's about to buy your car, the light will shine and you can take it for one last spin. Maybe if you're with a group of friends who will never be together again, all your lights will shine at the same time and you'll know. And then you can hold each other and whisper, this was so good. Oh my God, this was so good. I'm Jenny B and this is it actually. This is it actually. Take a sip and grab a seat. That poem that I read in the opening is by a poet named Ian Thomas. So if I'm being completely honest with you, I've been spending more of my thoughts these days on loss, which is not necessarily a great place to live, in constant concern about losing people, losing myself, what we all look like at the end of a pandemic, but I can't help myself. I have no intention of this episode being a big bummer, although it kind of might be, so fair warning. It's just that it's a topic that has come up in my life a lot, and this past year we've all been smacked on the head with a new definition of loss, so it didn't feel right to not talk about it, you know what I mean? On an unimaginable scale, people have lost loved ones, people have lost jobs, people have ended relationships, people have lost themselves all in one year. It's safe to say we've lost optimism, and at times we've lost hope. I've lost a smidge of faith in humankind, which completely and totally breaks my heart, because as much as I've always known that there are negative, and let's face it, horrible people in the world, somehow that got amplified a lot in this last year. We saw gross sides of people, selfishness and entitlement really magnified, and it was ugly, and yeah, it made me lose faith. I hate that. We're always told to look for the good, to look for the light in the dark. It's actually how I've survived a lot of the losses in my life. You have to sit in it. You have to get down in the mud with it. You gotta roll around with it. But eventually, hopefully, we see a glimmer and it helps us to learn lessons and appreciate things and count our blessings. And there is a lot of good that came out of every losing situation that I found myself in. I've been able to see it and recognize it. I joke all the time that the blessing of my divorce is that I don't have to be married to my husband anymore. (laughs) He knows I love him. But when the loss is happening or happens, it can be thick with anger and sadness, and sometimes it feels really impossible to acknowledge that there will be the good and even less mucky moments and, yep, even some laughs. I was asked a couple of months ago by a girlfriend if this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through, this pandemic, the uncertainty, the fear, the loss of work, the sheer panic. We ended up categorizing and rating the losses that we've had in our life. It was a really fun conversation. Obviously, my divorce was really, really hard, and losing my parents was probably the hardest. But sometimes loss happens right in front of you, and it doesn't mean that something's going somewhere. It means you have to lose it in real time. A relationship ending, watching my dad slowly disappear, seeing my mom's body failing her, and experiencing the loss of innocence with my kids. That's always been an interesting one for me. It seems to hurt on almost a daily basis these days, tween and teen life. How do I protect them? Should I? How do I protect myself? My oldest daughter lost a bunch of friends right when the pandemic started. Just before her grade 8 graduation, she was let go by a group of girlfriends. 
It's a tale as old as time. I had total PTSD because it also happened to me in grade seven. And by the way, she definitely handled it better than I did. But as a mom watching that innocence, that belief in others fade from her, it was like taking a knife to the stomach. I hated it. It took everything in me to not step in. There were many moments when I could feel my dad being channeled from within. It was already such a trying and tender time, and she'd already lost so much. Her grade 8 trip, her graduation, her summer camp. But what came from it, and we were both able to recognize this, was an awareness of how we want to treat other people and also some new and really lovely friendships. When our kids learn that the world is hard sometimes and all of a sudden I'm having conversations about politics and racists and sexual assault and vaping and guns and people who yell at each other in grocery stores and oh my god, I'm like, I miss Dora and the way she used to scream at me through the TV, which I never thought I'd ever say. I lost a bit of myself when I had kids actually, striving to be this new mom version of myself that I guess I kind of thought was expected or maybe it was my own expectations. And lately I've been thinking about that former me. She was super fun and not that I'm not a fun mom, although these days are a little lackluster, but I lost that pre-mom me somewhere along the way. I found her again when I started dating and having more time out with friends. She shows up a little more regularly in summer because she's a summer gal, but then the pandemic hit and it's like, where the hell did she go? Where did I go? All the moments of our lives lead us to becoming who we are, and that includes the joy and sometimes even more often the pain. When my dad left to go to the hospital the first time, we kids stayed home and packed up the house. My mom had finally convinced my dad to sell the store and retire. He wasn't really on board, but not long before that, he started feeling tired and acting confused and forgetting things. They figured he just needed a break. I don't really remember anything too specific, but I'm sure if my mom was here, she would tell a million stories about signs and red flags. She was forever protecting us from the hard stuff. And even though I'm certain she knew something was up, dad was stubborn and it took driving on the wrong side of the road for him to be convinced to go see a doctor. So they left and we stayed, and honestly, as a teenager who was moving out of her childhood home, I didn't think much of it. I was being bratty and complaining about moving and making a ton of jokes about moving in with the new family. I don't think I was being purposely insensitive, I just didn't think he would come home any different. So now that I think about saying goodbye and what that probably looked like at the time, would I have done or said anything differently if I'd known that the dad that was leaving wouldn't be the same dad that came back? I don't know. That's the thing about loss, right? Like the poem I read in the beginning. If you had the ability to know that you were going to lose something, would you treat it differently? Would you appreciate it more or be kinder to it? I think so. Dad's second trip to the hospital was when the treatment started. The chemo and radiation attacked the cancer, but it also damaged his brain cells, and he was never the same again. We lost the person that he was because hope made us believe he would get better. I don't think we ever mourned the loss of our dad in that time when he was sick, before he was actually physically gone. I come from very strong stock, very independent and capable people, immigrants who started a new life in a brand new country after surviving a war. So you just handle what you're given, and you don't spend too much time waiting around in the water hoping someone will come along with a dinghy, you start swimming. So we took care of him, the new him. And it just became normal and commonplace to accept his confusion, and we'd remind him that he was actually at home, he kept trying to go back to the store, and sometimes he thought my mom was his nurse, but we just did it, because it's what we were supposed to do. I didn't mind it, I liked staying at home, and I got really close with my mom, but we didn't talk a lot about how we were feeling, and what it was doing to us. One day I was watching TV and I heard my dad lose his footing at the top of the stairs. 
You know that feeling you get when you just know it's bad? There was nothing I could do about it from where I was sitting. So I watched him tumble down almost the full flight of stairs. I felt like he went top over tail, and he landed at the bottom with his arm bent around and underneath him. I ran over to him, and Mom came down the stairs, and he was moaning in pain, and I quickly called 911, and while I was standing there in the kitchen, phone in my hand, looking at my mom kneeling down with Dad, it totally hit me. She had lost their marriage as it once was. The man who drove her crazy and infuriated her, but the same man she also loved very much. We all lost a part of ourselves because our new normal was watching over this new someone. We were losing him right in front of our very eyes. There are cultures that take to the streets and get into big groups and surround themselves by family and friends and scream out their agony of loss. I imagine it to be like exercising the hurt and pain from your body. We tend to curl up into little balls and wrap ourselves around the loss. We don't really talk about it because we just want to get through it, and we want it to be over, or we don't want to feel the shame of seeming weak. Ugh, what a crock. Why do we do that? It's the same when a relationship ends. No one wants to look directly at it because it's too hard to admit that it hurts. 2020 melted my brain. There was loss every which way we looked. And I know from experience that it's okay to feel broken, but this time definitely felt different. Would you believe me if I said there's another side to this? I don't know if I'm even believing myself, but what goes down has to ultimately come back up, right? As crazy as it sounds, it's been helpful for me to remember other moments of despair. I've been in the fetal position on my couch more than once in my life, and in those moments, I never thought I'd find the strength to get up. But I did. And when I think about the things I found and gained from pushing through to the other side, it's kind of huge. We get to find out what we're made of. There's nothing better than being witness to our own strength, resilience, and persistence. Sometimes loss is disguised as a kick in the ass to keep us moving forward, because if it ain't forward, it's backwards, and, well, that's just backwards. It's true this last year has been a bitch, but she also shed a few sunbeams into dark corners, and I'm hopeful that we're all learning and growing and trusting in some way or another. One of my girlfriends was talking me off a ledge this week, and she said, just worry about today. Today, we're okay. I instantly burst into tears, but sometimes that's it, right? Today, we're okay. Oh my gosh, when I think about loss, I think about my entire life and just the different forms of loss that I've experienced. My parents were divorced. Few of my grandparents died. I myself am divorced. But I have to say that it wasn't until this year that I experienced the deepest loss of my life and it came in a few different forms. I think we can all agree that COVID itself was a catalyst to deep loss for a lot of us. The first thing that I feel like I lost was the closure of my yoga studio. And with that came a daily interaction and connection with the community that I didn't even realize I needed. Every day I would see probably 50 to 100 people hug, laugh, touch, enjoy, appreciate, exchange. And so to go from that to closing the yoga studio and then having nothing, that was a deep loss. It caused me to go inside and actually not even be able to teach online. And I busied myself doing all sorts of other things, not even realizing the grief that I was avoiding, which obviously comes with loss. And so with that buildup, the summer happened and I felt 
like I was going deeper and deeper into this space of missing something in my life. And then my firstborn went off to university. And I kept saying to people like, God, why doesn't anybody talk about this? Why doesn't anybody talk about how much loss, how much grief you experience when your child goes off to university? I was already in a state of deep loss, possibly deep depression and deep grief. I was grieving this loss of sense of myself and this loss of normalcy and this loss of what the world used to be. And I think that we can all attest to how much we've had to let go of during this time. And so by the time my son was leaving, I was a complete basket case. I was a total mess. And with that came a realization almost of all of the grief that I had held onto in my life without allowing myself to experience maybe stuffing feelings under or avoiding those feelings. And I found myself unable to avoid it any longer. We're supposed to grieve. We're supposed to allow ourselves to release it. We're not supposed to keep it stored in our nervous system, right? We're supposed to cry. So I did a hell of a lot of crying. I came out the other side with a new understanding of how the world is going to work for me now, how I'm going to have to operate, how I'm going to have to understand that there are only certain things that I can control and those are the things that I need to focus on and I need to be able to let go of the rest. I've thought a lot about going to talk to someone like a medium. I'm so desperate to connect with my mom and I miss her so much and I've been missing her for 12 years. But I realized she's in some sort of gray area because she's been living with Alzheimer's for so long that she hasn't passed on and she is still here in some capacity. And I don't really know how to connect anymore or where to talk to her, where to find her. Lost for me has meant missing old versions of herself forgetting and my memories of her getting warped through the experience of the new versions of herself uh, as someone with Alzheimer's and dementia and also just missing all these opportunities and conversations that I never knew I would want so badly um, to talk to her about different life stages and to share with her obviously times that I'm struggling but even more so actually I miss her and the ability to talk to her in times of beauty and in sharing the better things in life, the partner that I've met, my accomplishments, to fill her in about my friends. And it's a weird in-between that we're both in, I guess, this gray area where her physical self is still here. Her mental self is somewhere, but she hasn't necessarily crossed over to the other side. And it's difficult. I find it difficult because I know I should be grateful for what we do have, and I know that I'm going to miss what we do have, but there's so much that is gone, and there's so much that I wish for, and there's so much that I not necessarily regret, but that I wish I had addressed or acknowledged or come to terms with when I started losing her so long ago. And so loss, I think, in any capacity is so hard, and it changes you, and it teaches you, hopefully. It's kind of like a chronic pain that stays with you forever no matter what and then hopefully ultimately has led to some sort of positive growth and development in your life 
because no matter what, that loss is something you'll carry. When you lose someone early in your life, you live longer with the grief. My dad died very suddenly when I was 13 years old, almost 40 years ago now. I remember everything about that day. It was a freezing cold but sunny Monday in March. I knew as soon as I saw my uncle standing in the driveway that something was wrong. When I went inside the house, my mom had to tell us that my father had died. I remember feeling like someone had crushed my windpipe. I couldn't breathe, and everything around me just froze in time. I guess that's what shock and trauma feel like. Finding out that my dad took his own life was an additional crushing blow. Now it was just beyond belief, and nothing was making sense. Unfortunately, it was all true, and I spent the next five years living in a fishbowl in a small town where I felt like everyone was waiting for us to fall apart. Not because they wanted it to happen, but because they could understand why it would. On the surface, we all seemed fine. I eventually returned to school and tried to go on as I had before. Inside, though, I was falling apart. I'm not sure how I made it through high school, but I did. And it wasn't until I left for college in Toronto that I felt like I could breathe again. Fast forward a few decades, and my biggest fear now is that I'll forget what my dad's voice sounded like, or some of the stories he told, or the advice that he gave me when I was just a kid. I have photos, but I still fear I'll forget what he looked like. Sounds weird, right? But I've spent so many years without him than I ever had with him. And it just plain sucks. That's the thing about grief. It doesn't really end. It evolves, but the loss is always there. My first experience with earth-shattering loss was a few weeks after my 21st birthday. I had been living in Perth, Australia for a few months on exchange from Ryerson. It was Sunday, May 9th, 2010. It was Mother's Day and I had waited until mid-morning to call home, assuming maybe my mom would want to sleep in. When I called home, our close neighbor and friend answered the phone. I thought maybe he was over for a coffee, but when he skirted around putting my mom on the phone, it gave me an uneasy feeling. He told me that she couldn't come to the phone because my 18-year-old brother Dean was missing in a canoe accident at a friend's cottage during their prom weekend. I didn't get the details right away. I was told to pack a bag in case I had to fly home. My roommates tried to distract me with craft dinner and a movie. They waited with me in an empty airport to board my flight. I was unprepared in every way possible. I'd been sick with a cold and was crying and sniffling in the middle seat. The worst person you'd want to be next to on a plane. I didn't charge my iPod, so I listened to the airline radio on repeat for 14 hours. Big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie is the only one I remember. I had to take my flip-flops off in L.A. I remember hating some lady in customs trying to get ahead of everyone to get her flight to Vegas. I had to run through Chicago and beg the gate attendant not to close it on me. When I got to the arrivals at Pearson, they lost my bag, and I was okay to wait because I really didn't want to know what was on the other side of those doors. When I did, I kept my head down, and when I finally looked up, all I did see was my best friends and some family. We loaded up in a big truck, and I stared at the blurry brake lights on the 401 as I asked the questions I didn't want to know and the ones that they could never really answer. My brother decided to take a canoe out one morning in May. The boat capsized and he became hypothermic and drowned, and my world was never the same. I became an only child and my parents changed forever. People around us were different and could seem cruel, our pain unexplainable and an inconvenience to them. I cherish the family and the friends that still hold me in my grief. Five years after we climbed through the thick fog, my mom was diagnosed with an incurable cancer, and after living beautifully, she died June 27th. 
2019, and now I begin to climb again through that thick fog. Sending love to you all. This is a tip, actually. Gosh, what's my tip here? You'd think I'd be an expert by now. My friend told me about an exercise we should do when we're sitting in dark places. You look around and say out loud what you see, what you hear, and what you smell to bring you back into the present. I smell my tea, I see my dog chewing on a shoe, I hear birds chirping outside. I'm leaning into this moment in the loss I'm experiencing, and I'm okay. Imagine what we can gain when we ultimately emerge. I want to say thank you to Shelley, Carmela, Catherine, and Julie for their very personal and powerful stories. Loss is a mother effort, and it's not always easy to talk about, so I'm very grateful that these women, these wonderful friends, agreed to share their words. I'm sending as much love as I have out to the world today, and I'm really thankful you chose to spend some time listening in. Follow me at This Is It Actually on Instagram and at This Is It Actual on Twitter. Sign up for my newsletter at thisisitactually.com, and if you have a second, five stars and a pretty review at Apple Podcasts would be much appreciated. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it, actually, take a sip and grab